are Locked On Diamondbacks, your daily Arizona Diamondbacks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Locks On Diamondbacks podcast. You're part of the Locks On podcast network. Your team every day listening to who? The always wonderful host of this podcast, Miller Thomas. I'm a multimedia journalist and I'm a graphic designer. So please go check out my website, millerthomas24.myportfolio.com. I know you can see all my latest work from my packages to my articles to my photos and my graphic design. For today's show, we got a jam-packed show for you guys today. We got the final installment of the crossover with Lockdown Rockies host Ryan Latica. We're going to be talking about the expanded postseason and the Universal DH. Do we want to see it back in 2021? We'll give our thoughts. And then, before we get to that crossover, I just want to give my thoughts on the state of the Dimebacks heading into the 2021 season. Where do we stand? I just want to give a few thoughts, not too long. But just want to talk about the D-backs before the regular season starts on April 1st. But first, if your company's interested in reaching men between the ages of 18 and 44, your company should be sponsoring this podcast. Locked on Diamondbacks is listened to by 98% men and 80% between the ages of 18 and 44. So if you want men in that age range, this is your spot. Plus, I'll read to the most reasonable round. Email me at LockedOnDiamondbacks at gmail.com to find out more. Now, I want to start this pod by talking about the state of the D-backs. In segment number two, we'll do the crossover with Ryan Latica. But I want to talk about the D-backs first heading into the 2021 season. And I want to talk about, you know, the overall team and where the D-backs kind of stand in the landscape of baseball. Because baseball prospectus came out with their, you know, standings today, their projected standings for the 2021 season. And the record for the D-backs, the projected record, was pretty much right, uh, you know, was right aligned with what the D-backs have been outside of their 2020 season under the Mike Hazen era. They're projected 79 wins and 83 losses. And if you just look at the D-backs outside of 2020, uh, that's kind of right where they fall in line. 85 wins in 2019, 82 wins in 2018, a great season in 2017 with 93, but then 69 2016. 79 in 2015 it's like they've won on a 70 game average the last five seasons if you take out 2020 if you take out maybe 2017 they're right around you know around 79 wins a season on average and for the d-backs 79 wins if they got that in 2021 i would actually be kind of impressed if you look at mlb.com's top 10 right now every position i don't put a lot of stock into this list but i just find it kind of interesting because right now the D-backs only have one top 10 player at any position baseball and you guys could probably guess who that is and it's not Zach Gallen if you guessed him it's actually Ketel Marte because second base is just such a weak position in baseball nowadays even after coming off a you know a porous not so great 2020 season Ketel Marte still ranked as the third best second baseman in all baseball according to you know MLB Network and I just found that you know, alarming that 
The D-backs entering a season only have one top 10 player at any position, and that's not really a shock because the D-backs are entering the 2021 season with still so many holes and so many question marks surrounding their team. Who's going to be playing second base? I assume it's Ketel Marte, but if he's playing second, then who's playing center field? Are we putting Dalton Varsho back out there? Maybe we you know, bring up a prospect like Christian Robinson or Alec Thomas, but they still seem to be a couple years away. I love Nick Ahmed. I think he's a really nice locker room guy. I think he's a solid baseball player, but he's not making waves. He's not moving the needle for you as a baseball team. Eduardo Escobar, the D-back's going to get a great bounce back season from him. He's entering his mid-30s now, and maybe we could put the 2020 season behind him. It was a weird COVID year. Couldn't get in shape, so hopefully he comes better. He comes to camp better in shape now, and how about that bullpen? We don't know who the closer is for the D-backs, and that's not something we've been, a- been able to say for a long time. We just signed Joaquin Soria, so he might be the expected closer. I'm going to talk more about the closer position on tomorrow's pod, but that's another hole that we just don't know right now. The starting rotation, Bumgarner, Luke Weaver, they did not look good last season. Caleb Smith, we still have a lot of question marks surrounding him. Is Merrill Kelly going to be coming back healthy? I feel like entering the 2020. Entering the 2020 season, there was a lot of optimism surrounding the D-backs. They were coming off an 85-win campaign. We say, hey, yeah, some dudes had some career seasons, but I think those seasons are duplicable. And I think the D-backs, after adding Bumgarner, after adding Starling Marte, they were set up well to at least make a postseason run, at least at a wild card spot. And when I looked at the other teams in the division, I had a high respect for the Dodgers, but I didn't have a lot of respect for the Padres. They had some nice young talent, but it's not like they've really proven anything at a high level up until last year. The Giants, I had no respect for. I thought, I thought they had easily the worst team on paper in the division. I thought they had one of the worst teams on paper in the National League. And the Rockies, yeah, I thought they were just going to be the same old Rockies, kind of just kind of like the D-backs, just hanging around, maybe not being too good, but just kind of in the mix. And none of that happened. Their Padres played way above their heads. They played, you know, they turned into this superstar franchise all of a sudden. They've turned into a cornerstone franchise, and they haven't won a lot of games. They haven't really won on a big postseason level yet, but seems like the Padres are here to stay, and after all the moves they made this offseason, they're going to be a powerhouse for a while. The Rockies, they're just as bad as the D-backs, but the Giants have some optimism. The Dodgers, of course, just won the World Series, so where does that leave the Arizona Diamondbacks in the mix? And I can't help but feel like there's not a lot of optimism surrounding this team. I don't know what's going to change for the Diamondbacks from the 2020 season to the 2021 season. I feel like the D-backs are banking big time on the fact that they're going to get bounce back seasons from guys like Bumgarner, Eduardo Escobar, Kittel Marte. They haven't made enough moves to really you know, increase their chances of making the postseason. And right now, they're just kind of standard pat, and I feel like their record is going to stand pat as well. They got to 79 wins. I would be shocked, honestly. I don't see them as a 79-win team. I I honestly see them a lot lower than that. The Rockies are projected to go 60-102, and 102, and I wouldn't be surprised if the D-backs finish with a record closer to that. Looking at the you know talent on paper for the D-backs, it's going to be the same as last year. And right now, that's not a very good thing. They don't have supreme talent. It's basically Ketel Marte, 
Zach Allen and a lot of you know complimentary pieces, a lot of role players. But you're going to need some career years. You're going to need Cole Calhoun to come in and hit 35 home runs again. You're going to need some more power and production for Christian Walker. You're going to need Baumgartner to step up. You're going to need Luke Weaver to finally look like the guy we traded for. So for the D-backs, 79 wins. I'd be very impressed by that. But I don't think they'll get to that number. And I think they're going to be a lot closer to the Colorado Rockies in the baseball perspectives projected standings now we'll get into that last installment of a crossover between ryan latica and i host of the locked on rockies but first i want to talk to you guys about built bar because built bar is back more improved and more delicious than ever before they have 18 amazing flavors but six new flavors caramel brownie cookies and cream cherry barcia lemon almond cheesecake carrot cake and apple almond crisp the bars are covered in 100 chocolate and they're both soft and easy to chew now, the reason why I love Built Bars is because they're healthy. I'm a health-conscious guy. I try to go to the gym when I can. But Built Bar actually tricks me because I have a sweet tooth, so I think that I'm eating a candy bar when I'm eating a Built Bar, but I'm actually eating a protein bar that's low in calorie, low in sugar, but high in protein and high in fiber, so it's great for that keto diet. If you go to BuiltBar.com right now, they reset their promo code for this relaunch. If you use promo code LOCKDOWN, you can get 20% off your next order. That's promo code LOCKDOWN for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. With the ever-increasing number of makes and models, it is now impossible to stock all the parts you will ever need in a traditional chain store front. RockAuto.com is a family business serving auto part customers online for 20 years. Go to RockAuto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. The RockAuto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brand, specifications, and prices you prefer. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right locked on in there. How did you hear about us, box? So they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Rockauto.com. Let's get into that last crossover with Ryan Latica and I. We're going to be wrapping up the pod pretty soon. Uh, I guess the listeners don't know because this pod would be broken up, but we've been talking here for almost an hour now, just going back and forth. And we've seen uh, the latest proposal by the MLB Players uh, Union. They rejected the latest deal for expanded playoffs, universal DH. So I just want to know your thoughts. Are you pro expanded playoffs and universal DH. What are your thoughts on both of them? Yeah. So essentially what happened was um, the players union and honest, and to be quite honest, um, I have not had as much time as I would like to read up on this whole situation. Um, Obviously there's been a little bit more pressing issues going on in Colorado lately. Um, And, you know, obviously I've I've been, uh, I've been busy with my day job as well. Um, But you know, from what I understand, the players union was presented a proposal for major league baseball to couple the expanded playoffs with the universal DH 
Um, and also I believe it shortened the season by something like eight games, but they mm. would still get paid for a full 162 games, which is key there. Mm-hmm. Um, because obviously we all remember what happened in 2020 when the players union and major league baseball could not come to an agreement based on player salaries. Um, now I'm a huge players union guy. Um, you know, I will always argue for the players to get, you know, to, to get paid what they're worth. That's why, you know, I will always say Mike Trout, you know, that's a bargain deal for the angels for Mike Trout. Um, even at $400 million because Mike Trout is worth every penny of that. Um, But essentially what happened was the players union turned that down because they recognized that the universal that the universal DH and expanded playoffs are not of equal value. And there's more to be gained by the owners from that proposition than from the players association. Um, Now I'm, I'm a pro universal DH guy. Um, Thank you. as a fan, as a fan of a national league team, you know, I'm a, I'm a big DH guy. Um, you know, for me, there's absolutely no value that comes from having pitchers hit absolutely none. You know, it, it Amen, drags your other, yeah, it drags your offense down. You know, it puts your pitchers in unnecessary situations where they can get hurt, uh, you, you know, either getting hit by a pitch at the plate or, you know, pulling a hammy rounding the bases. Um, you know, I'm a huge, I'm a huge you know, pro DH guy. It also creates jobs for other major league players, you know, who can, you know, become full-time designated hitters, which is also good. Um, But, you know, it was good that the players association recognized that that was not of equal value as the expanded postseason. Now what happens with the expanded postseason is number one, um, you let sub 500 teams into the playoffs, which I'm not on board with, you know, anyway, just because, you know, then it, you know, why play the regular season if you're just going to let, you know, 75 win teams into the playoffs, you know, if you let over half the teams in baseball into the playoffs and what the heck is the point, but really the, the bigger overarching point that I want to make here with the expanded playoffs is if you expand the playoffs and you let mediocre teams into the postseason, what incentive is there for owners to continue to spend on their team and to, you know, spend top dollar on that big, you know, big free agent out there on the market, the big Trevor Bauer, for instance, who's on the, who's on the free agent market right now, what incentive is there for owners to dole out more money? If, you know, they can just kind of wipe their hands and say, you know what, I mean, you know, this team is good enough to make the playoffs as it is, you know, we don't need to improve. Um, And so, I mean, that's kind of, I, I believe that's kind of what was behind the players unions thinking there is, you know, we want to make sure that owners continue to spend and improve their teams so that way players can continue to get, to get paid what they're worth. Yeah, and I totally, uh, I see your side of the argument, but I think I'm on the other side. You said, why would teams be more inclined to spend money? I think they would be more inclined to spend money. I'm actually on that side of the fence where I think if you are a mediocre team, maybe now you see yourself as, hey, I'm just one or two pieces now away from being a playoff team, and then I get all that extra playoff money and revenue. So if I'm mediocre- well, Yeah, but okay, but if, okay, but let me, let me, let me say this then. <laughs> okay. You know, if- if, but honestly, though, like if if you're a 75 win team and there's hope at you making the playoffs, like there's legitimate hope, like say you even made the playoffs as a 75 win team last year, you know, then the owners who have already demonstrated how cheap they are last year by not wanting to pay the players full salaries anyway, just for the 2020 season, you know, why I, I'm, I'm just help me understand why the players or why the owners would be motivated to go out and, and spend more money to acquire those assets when their team is good enough to make the playoffs right now. Cause I don't think you can guarantee your team being good enough right now to make the playoffs. Even if you are below 
a 500 team because that may not just be good enough. There might be years where you need to be above 500. We saw the NFL. They just expanded they, uh, their playoffs, and we saw a 10-win team miss the postseason. So I'm not convinced every single season if we expand the playoffs, there are going to be below 500 teams that make it. And guess what? Even if, even if there are below 500 teams that make it, we saw the Houston Astros this year. They made it to the second round of the playoffs, and they were competitive. They almost what made it to the championship series in the American League. So even if you are below 500 team, because baseball is just so wacky and so fluky, I still think that team has a chance. It's not like basketball in the best of seven series where the best player on the best team is usually going to win. You can get that underdog story in baseball. We've seen teams be down 0-3 and come back. So I think in baseball, the competitive advantage is a lot uh, I guess cleaner across the whole slate, uh, across the whole slate of the sport. So I think if I am a 75 win team and now 80 wins gets me into the postseason, why not go out there and sign another pitcher who can get me those two or three wins I need? That could be the difference between making it and not making it. Because now, if everyone across the league is just sitting on their laurels, I might just have to be that one dude who actually spends a little money. And now all of a sudden, I'm gonna be a, a pretty good playoff team if everyone else is just sitting back and thinking, "Hey, I don't have to spend money anymore." I'm be uh in the postseason regardless okay yeah but i mean i see what you're saying but i mean you're i mean the argument that you're making here is under the is under the pretense that the owners are motivated to spend and historically we've just seen that that's not true in the 2020 season i mean that was the whole reason why we only played 60 games last year you know the the players union wanted their whole salaries and the owners simply did not want to pay them their whole entire salaries when there were no fans in the stands and you know, the, nobody ever saw the, the pocketbooks open from the owners. We have no idea how much money the owners really lost last year. Um, but these guys are, you know, these guys are billionaires, you know, these are, these guys are billionaires and millionaires who own baseball teams, who own professional sports teams who are not poor, you know, regardless how, how much they want us to think they're poor, they're not poor. Um, and yet they were still, you know, very hesitant to, to come to an agreement with the players association up to the point where they only played 60 games during the regular season. Um, and then, you know, of course, then they wanted the expanded postseason for the, for the, for the TV revenue. Um, but essentially I'm just asking you how you can be so confident that the players or the, uh, excuse me, that the owners would all of a sudden just have this change of heart that we have not seen from them. Um, you know, especially with more relaxed rules that let more mediocre teams into the playoffs. I'm just uh, asking you, how can you be so confident about it? I don't that? know if it would be a, I don't know if it's a confidence thing, but I don't know if there was only six teams making the postseason, like three. Let's just say the division winner from every uh, league made the postseason. I don't think teams are going to be more inclined to spend all of a sudden because now you're saying, oh my God, only the top. X percent is going to be making the postseason. So I'm going to be spending all this money and my chances of making it are even less. Why would I spend money now? I'm going to, I'm going to have to just kind of get lucky and just kind of fall into my good players. Kind of hopefully there's a, a free agent acquisition that I can make or a trade that I can make. So I think it just evens the playing field a little bit more and it makes teams who are maybe on the fringe, just more inclined to spend money. If they think they are, only need a couple more pieces all of a sudden to now make the postseason. I think if we made it the opposite way where we took teams away 
uh, from making the postseason. I don't think they would be more inclined to spend money then. I don't think they would be more motivated then to spend money. So I think if you're asking me, you know, which scenario would you rather, which scenario do I think owners would be more uh, more motivated to spend money? I think expanding the playoffs would make them more motivated than if we took away, let's say, four teams from making the postseason. Yeah, I mean, I guess, you know, we could go around and around on this for <laughs> yeah. hours. Um, you know, I might just have to agree to disagree with you on that. <laughs> But I definitely agree on the universal DH rule because, like you said, I don't want to see pitchers hitting. It's fun when Bartolo Colon hits a home run every, you know, 500th game. But I don't want to see that consistently. And for the World Series, I just never understood it. Why do we have to have two teams basically playing under two different sets of rules? And it basically screws a team like the Red Sox, who historically had a guy like Big Poppy, a Hall of Famer, in their DH spot. All of a sudden, now he's just, he has to play the infield. It changes around their whole lineup. So I never understood why we had two conferences playing under the you know two different rules. We don't see that in the NBA. We don't see that in, you know, in the NFL. They all play under the same rules. So I'm hoping they bring the universal DH rule back. I'm not too sure if it will happen. Uh, it doesn't sound like people are too motivated to bring that one back. It sounds like expanded playoffs are probably, you know, more likely in the future. But uh, universal DH rule, it doesn't sound like that one uh, is too high up on the priority list right now. Yeah, unfortunately, you know, that's that's just kind of how it's going right now. The 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 <clears throat> excuse me, uh, Major League Baseball is, you know, kind of, you know, presenting those two to the uh, players union as a package deal. Um, and as it stands right now, the players union has rejected that proposal. And so it looks like what's going to happen is we're going to play the 2021 season, assuming there will be a 2021 season, which I'm not even, I'm not even convinced of that at this point. Um, but, you know, it looks like we're going to play the 2021 season under the rules that we've, you know, under the rules that we've come to know over the last few years, you know, no, no universal DH pitchers will still continue to hit in the national league. Um, and there will still be five teams making the playoffs in each league. Yeah, we'll see if they make any new proposals soon. It sounds like Arizona's trying to delay, delay the start of the MLB season as well, trying to delay spring training. So a lot of weird stuff going on with baseball. But Ryan, we've been talking for a long time. Thank you for hopping on today's pods. And just shout out your socials before you go today. Where can the Locked On Diamondbacks listeners find you on social media? Yeah, in case anybody's ever ever interested in listening to me rant about the Colorado Rockies and the whole Nolan Arenado situation, I'll have more coming up on that uh, coming up next week. But um, yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at LO Rockies. You can also follow my personal Twitter account at Ryan Latica. My last name is spelled L-E-D-I-K-A. All right. Thanks, Ryan, for hopping on the podcast. Awesome. Thanks for having me. That's it for this edition of the Locked on Dimebacks podcast. Come back tomorrow where I'm going to talk about the closer position for the D-backs and break down all the crazy moves we've seen in the offseason over the last couple of weeks that I might have missed doing these crossovers. And as always, stay safe, stay healthy, and remember, February is Black History Month and the Locked On Podcast Network is honoring the challenges and success of black men and women in sports with a new series called Locked On Presents More Than the Game. This week, Candace Cooper of Locked On Tar Heels and Erica Ayala of Locked On Women's Basketball discuss the opportunities and challenges that come with being a black woman in sports. Subscribe to the Locked On Presents podcast feed on the Radio.com app or wherever you get your podcasts. Deuces!